0: Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Remember the book of 1 1 Peter. Was written to the Roman Church that was under hostile intentions by the culture and the government, society, and so we're much there today. And so Peter wrote to them to tell them how to conduct themselves in a hostile culture. And so I'm, I'm, we're looking through those as well. How do we conduct ourselves in a culture that has turned against Christianity? Well, I want to look at really right in the middle of the book one of those more important. Uh, passages, I think, if there is such a thing. Before we get there, how do we know the culture is turning against us? Well, I'm trying to just give you a little news article every um, every Sunday. And I want you to see this one because this one at first glance may not feel like it's anti-Christian. I don't know if you saw it, but the uh, a judge this past week blocked the Biden administration from having contact With social media companies. Here's what we kind of uncovered is that uh, in the last year or two or three that the government or people in government or people running for office in government have been in regular contact with social media companies informing them what needs to be blocked, what needs to be censored, what is true and not true. Now, you say, what's the big deal about that? The big deal about that is you don't want the government determining what is truth and what is not truth, because truth will depend on what party is in charge. Remember, always vote for freedom, not against freedom. And the reason this is so important is a judge ruled that the current administration could not um, contact social media companies to have them censor. The public forum. Well, why is, why is that a big deal? Well, it's, it's a big deal for a multitude of reasons, but if you've ever read George Orwell's book, 1984, if you have not read it or haven't read it in a long time, please just don't hear about it. Please go pick it up. Because in, in uh, Orwellian world, Oceania, as it's called, uh, there are several ministries they call them. For example, there's the ministry of peace. You know what the ministry of peace does? Makes war. And then there is the Ministry of Truth. You know what the Ministry of Truth does? Tells lies. It is the propaganda arm of the Orwellian world. And they rewrote history. For example, they would convince you that two plus two equals five if the situation needs two plus two to equals five. Not only that, in the ministry of truth in the Orwellian world would create and manufacture. Their truth in what they called the Newspeak sense of the word. They doctored historical records to show a government-approved version of events. And the re- one of the reasons I bring this up, two reasons, is the Biden administration early on created what it called the Diffs Information Governance Board. Which they were going to tell us what was true and what not was true true what was not true what not was true what was not true anyway you you understand what i what i'm saying there and uh even democrats were like wait a minute this sounds like the book 1984 and it it did not make it but here's what i want to tell you it's the direction that we're headed the direction we're headed when you see the government trying to manage the news and information we get what is true what is not true get this what is allowed what is not allowed it's coming very soon where that same government will work its way into the churches of america so now what you give to the church you can write off on your taxes there's coming a day that when if you give money to a church that is not inclusive it will not be considered a 501c3 and you will not be able to write it off on your taxes that day's around the corner and we live in a day where the government wants to control and when you get in the book of the revelation you see that beginning to happen the culture is turning against christianity well that leads us to 1 Peter chapter 3 and I'm going to take a turn on uh, on on a sermon that you probably did not see coming unless you are familiar with 1 Peter chapter 3 and I want to preach this subject this morning family stuff. Why in the middle of five chapters would would I'm preaching 10 sermons this is sermon number 5. Why in the middle of the chapter uh, or in the middle chapter of this book Would Peter launch into family stuff? Here's why. When your faith is under fire, your family will never be more important than then. Let let me prove that to you. How happy are you this morning? If I were to poll you and ask you, how happy are you? When you poll America, we get uh, varied results. We we find this when you poll America today, just 12% of Americans— classify themselves as very happy according to the newest poll just 12 percent of americans are very happy why why does that matter what does that number mean well here's what it tells us the share of americans who say they're pretty happy has stayed uh pretty consistent over the last several years but the share who say they're not happy has jumped 18 percentage points since 2019 At the same time, the share of very happy people has plunged 20 points. So let me tell you what's happened since 2019. On the unhappy scale, the numbers have skyrocketed. On the very happy scale, the numbers have plunged. We are not very happy. That's whether you're Christian, whether you're not, but the world in general, America in general is not very happy. When they look at the very happy people, they ask very happy people, why are you happy? Here's what they discovered. Three things. The big picture is America's happiness has some common traits. What are those common traits? Number one, they treasure relationships with 67% saying marriage is very important to them compared to 43% overall. So very happy people would lean in very much on their marriage. Not only that, two-thirds of very happy adults say they're moderately or very religious compared with less than half of all adults. Number three, many of the happiest adults are satisfied with their personal finances, but they don't tend to put a high value on money. So here, when we look at it, here here's what we see, right? That very happy people have good relationships and a good marriage, very happy people are connected with God, and very happy people manage their money well. Now, that's probably where you are this morning, right? If I told you in the worst of times in your life, And the very worst of times, if I told you when times get tough, when culture gets tough, when your world gets tough, if I told you this, even when your world is tough, your marriage is going to be great, you're going to be walking with God in the power of Christ, and your money is going to be handled well, you would feel like you could handle most whatever comes your way. But when one of those begins to crumble, when two of those begin to crumble, when all three of those begin to crumble— Our happiness plunges and our ability to deal with difficulty plunges as well. And so Peter starts to lean into this. Why in the middle of 1 Peter is there a passage on marriage when we're talking about faith being under fire? Here's why it is. Peter's trying to get us there because Peter knows when your faith is under fire, if your family life is going well, if your marriage is right, when hard times come, a, a stable, happy relationship in your marriage will tend to make everything else Okay. So sometimes we want to separate marriage and spiritual life, but they're inseparable. We're, we're even going to see that talking about the men in a moment. But but there's a reason that the husband-wife relationship is like the Christ church relationship there is a spirituality to marriage there's a spiritual aspect to your relationship with your husband and wife and Peter just acknowledges it through the Holy Spirit that hey when hard times come he's telling people who are giving their lives for the gospel's sake he's telling them you better get your marriage right because it'll help you deal with difficult times now if you're here this morning you're not married, maybe you're, you're, you're not marrying age yet. Maybe you're just not ready to get married. Hear me, you need to hear what I'm saying because this is what you're going to be looking for in someone to marry. So let's see what Peter sa- says. Would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it, 1 Peter chapter three. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter three, look beginning in verse number one. In the same way, wives, Submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live, when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold and jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidations. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Finally, all of you. Be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, and be compassionate and humble. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil? Thank you. You may be seated. So here it is. I, I'm, I'm going to dive right in because this is Peter laying down how to get our marriage right. So ladies, I'm going to talk to you. Men, I'm going to talk to you. And then I'm going to talk to all of us. All right. Number one, when we're talking about family stuff, and look, I'm so creative with titles and points and blow your mind today. So title of the family stuff. Point number one, we're going to call woman stuff. Right, just, I know it's fancy, gonna be hard to remember, you write it down, somebody will read this sermon a hundred years from now and think I was the greatest theologian ever. All right, woman stuff, woman stuff. Peter lays out some intense woman stuff, hear me, that does not fit with our modern culture of what a wife and woman ought to be. But I want you to hear me say something this morning. Men, you hear this. Ladies, you hear this. I want you to hear this. You need to know this. When our modern culture and the Bible disagree, always go with the Bible. When our modern culture and the Bible disagree, you go with the Bible every time. Why? The culture changes from season to season, but the Bible always holds true. Now listen this morning, Christianity was never oppressive to women. As a matter of fact, the opposite was true. Christianity elevates the role of wife, It elevates the role of mother. It elevates the role of women. If you go back to the day when this was being written in the secular culture, we're we're not talking about the Christian culture and the secular culture. Women were little more than property back in the day. In the day, but Christianity came along and Christianity liberated women from property. And it said, "For husbands, will look at a minute, love your wives." That wasn't true before. Women were nothing more than domestic partners. Wives were nothing more than domestic partners. And Christianity came along and liberated that. And hear me, today it is Christianity that is still elevating women. And it's a godless world that is trying to replace women with effeminate men. I'll be honest, ladies, you ought to be livid. Livid. Like, I, I'm not a big feminist guy. I don't think the feminist movement of the 70s and 80s was the right way to go. But I really don't think we ought to replace Women with effeminate men, you should be in an uproar. How in the world as a woman you could ever vote for any party that would endorse men becoming women and taking over the role of women is beyond me. Y'all all right? It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And women ought to be the one fighting back. Peter lays down some intense woman stuff. Intense, ladies. As a matter of fact, when your spirit hears this, if it rejects it, be careful. Because it's the Bible and it's true. What, what did Peter say to women? First of all, he said, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband." Now, this may be the least popular Christianity, Christian teaching in society, not in the church, but in society. Now, these, this text, it does not teach the general subjugation of all women under all men. The principle of submission does not require woman to become a doormat. It does not teach you to submit to all men. The submission does not mean a blind obedience, nor does it mean inferiority. A wife who accepts her husband's Uh, authority is accepting the relationship that God has designed, giving her husband leadership and responsibility. And I'm always amazed every time I do a poll in the church, we've done it multiple years in a row now and for Father's Day, and we say, ladies, what do you wish your husbands knew? And over and over and over and over again, the number one response is, I want my husband to lead our home. Why would a lady say that? Because a husband taking the leadership of the home is the God-designed role that has been given to him. And if you are a Christian, ladies, it is the Spirit of God in you asking for that. That ladies are to submit to the leadership of their husbands. Now, if you read the text, you may not have caught it, uh, but notice this word, submit yourselves to your, you may know what that word is, own husbands. Not all husbands, not any husband, not her husband, your own husband. This is not the subjugation of women. This is a, this is for your home. Wives, you are to submit yourselves to your own husbands. Well, it goes on because a woman's natural response is, if you have a strong husband who's a godly Christ honoring leader in your home, you don't have any problem with that. But if you say, well, what if my husband's not even a Christian? And so Peter deals with that. Peter says this, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live when they observe your pure reverence lives your husband even if he's an unbeliever you shouldn't berate him but pray for him and let your lost husband see the gospel fully functioning in your life because I love what it says that he may be won over notice this ladies without a word hardest thing in the world for most women to do right without a word Women think the more words they use, it's it's nature, right? The women think the more words they use, the more they can convince us. Ladies, I'm here to tell you, the opposite is true, right? That Christ said, you want to win your husband over? Let him see the gospel making a difference in your life. And he goes on to say some other things. Don't let your beauty Consist of outward things, really of only outward things. A Christian lady should not be obsessed by fashion or overly concerned with their outward appearance. Now, ladies, let me just say this. Let me say, let me speak for all men. We're okay with beauty, all right? We're okay with it. But it shouldn't be your leading characteristic. Your leading characteristic is not to be beauty. Well, what is it supposed to be? Peter says, ladies, that rather what is inside the heart. The imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. The beauty of a woman should be what's on the inside, the godliness, the kindness, the gentleness. That word gentleness there means showing humility, not insisting on your own right, not being pushy, not being overly assertive. And then he uses the phrase, the quiet spirit. It means that you're not using your words to call trouble or gossip or be inappropriate, gentle, and a quiet spirit, the godliness of your life, ladies. For in the past, the holy women, just as Sarah, obeyed Abraham, called him Lord. And he said, wait a minute, am I supposed to refer to my husband as Lord. I don't require it around my house, but if she wants to do it, it's okay with me. It's never happened, but I mean, if it does, if it were to happen, I mean, I'll let it happen, but uh, that, that misses the point. W- what, what Peter is trying to say is that's how seriously the women of old took this, a godly woman of old. Lady, that's gospel for building a happy home, that's going about it the way the Bible prescribes. You say, well, I don't know if I, I like it. Well, I promise you this, you won't like the culture's version of how to build a home. You know, in recent days, we've seen the traditional role of a, American culture is coming back. Ladies, ladies are in this movement called a, a trad wife. Have you seen that about a trad wife? I'm, I'm fascinated. It stands for, uh, well, I think I've got a def- definition up here. It stands for a traditional wife. And it's a trend that's coming back. Trad wives is a subculture of housewives who believe in clear gender roles, the importance of homemaking and a patriarchal marriage, according to many women who self-identify as trad wives. And and so we're starting to see it. But now here's the mistake we make. The, The mistake we make is we don't go back to the Bible tradition of wife. We go back to what in our minds in America is that 50s, 60s tradition of wife. And can I tell you, ladies, You don't want to espouse the 50s version of wifing either. I went online and I found some advertisements from the 50s and 60s. Right? These crack me up. That this was allowed blows my mind. So for example, here's a tie advertisement show her it's a man's world now I don't know if you can see this Van Heusen commercial or not but the lady's on her knees with a tray of food handing it to her husband like he's a pharaoh the weirdest thing to me is he's in a suit laying in bed with the covers over him (laughs) Van Heusen show her it's a man's world well this, this is not I don't I don't think this is this was not right Here's another one. Wife's getting her daily spanking. Over what? If your husband ever finds out you're not store testing for fresher coffee, woe be under you. So she basically brought home the wrong coffee, and he did what any godly man would do, right? He gave his wife, and that's a joke. Uh, Here's one I just, I I thought was funny. You mean a woman can open it? We're talking about a bottle of ketchup. That was Heinz's selling, uh, uh, that's Del Monte, I think, selling thing. How about this one? The chef does everything but cook. That's what wives are for. Now, it may be true and you may think it, but you can't say stuff like that out loud. (laughs) Not in Survive It, you can't. How, how about this one husband pleasing coffee we don't care what you think just please us right and, and i think this is the last one i should not put this one up here it's an it's an it's an abomination for me to put this up here but it's funny cigarettes are like women the best ones are thin and rich Can you imagine running that commercial today? You say, why, why are you putting that stuff up there? Because listen, if you want to follow the culture of what a wife's role is to be, that was not much better than what we're getting today. It's not a culture that should define. Don't go back to a 1950s model of what a wife ought to be. Go back to a biblical model of what a wife ought to be. When you read what Peter said, you find out here, ladies, Here you can sum it up. Recognize the leadership of your own husband. Be more concerned about the godliness on the inside than the glitter on the outside. Be gentle and kind to your family. That is the woman stuff that Peter was trying to get across. That straight woman talk. Ladies, how does your life compare to God's biblical design for you? Now listen to me. I didn't write that. I'll be honest with you. Had I been writing the Bible, that's not what I would have written, especially if I was a married man already. But there's no higher calling, ladies, than to your home. That doesn't mean you can't have a career. That doesn't mean you can't have a job. I'm just saying that even with those things, there's not a higher calling than to your home. If you'll recognize the leadership of your husband, if you'll be more concerned about the godliness on the inside than the glitter on the outside, if you'll be gentle and kind to your family, it'll go a long ways in building a bulletproof, culture-proof marriage. Whew, I survived point one. Point two, man stuff. I'm told you it's creative as I'll get out. Man stuff. Now men, I, here's what, I, the first thing I want you to hear me. Notice what is not said in our admonition, men. He doesn't come along and say, now men, control your wives. Or husbands, boss your wives. Or he doesn't say this. Husbands, Lord over your wives. Everything a wife is supposed to do is voluntary on her part. So let's worry about what you're supposed to do. What are we supposed to do as men? Number one, he says this, live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with your wives in an understanding way. What does it mean to live with your wives in an understanding way? Uh, Commentators will disagree. They say it, most of them say it can mean two things and I think it means both. Here's what they say. It can mean live with your wife according to, to the knowledge of how God wants a husband to conduct himself toward his wife. So here's what he may be saying. Peter may be saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in the Bible, find out how you're supposed to act towards your wife, and I want you to understand how God says a man's supposed to act, because the culture did not say that. The culture said women were domestic servants, nothing more. Men were allowed to have prostitutes on the side. They were, it was common for men to go out and visit the temples where there were prostitutes. The wives knew it. They couldn't stop them. They could not even divorce their husbands legally. Only the husband could divorce. And so Peter was saying, listen, I want you to find out how God says you're supposed to live as a husband. I want you to do that. So get the knowledge of how God wants you to be a husband. Or number two, it could mean this, get knowledge about what your wife needs in order for you to meet her needs. In other words, figure your wife out. I, I think it means both. I think it means both. I think, men, what God wants us to do is get into the Scriptures and find out how the Scriptures, not, not culture, not 1950s culture, not 2023 culture, how, what does God say about how we're supposed to treat our wives? And we do that. But it also means that we should know our wives. We should figure out our wives so we understand what exactly it is my wife needs for me. That's why my wife and I both espoused the book The Five Love Languages so much. It helped me understand who my wife was and how to love her, and that was part of figuring her out. And if you've never read the book, The Five Love Languages, I'd encourage you to get that book. We're supposed to live with them in an understanding way. But not only that, he says that we are are to live with them as with a weaker partner. Now get this, the word weaker in the Greek is strictly in the physical sense. It's not intellectually, it's not emotionally, it's not spiritually. Peter's pointing out the masculinity of men and the femininity of women, if I think that's a word, the way it should be. You say, well, that's not true 100% of the time. No, but can we all agree that's the way, in general, that's the way it is? You study biology. Men's muscular structure is stronger than a woman's. That's just the way our bodies are designed by God. You say, well, I, I I know a woman that can beat up her husband. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. That was my one rule for a wife. I will not marry a wife that can uh, beat me in a wrestling match. I'm just not doing it. I, I refuse to uh, do that. But listen, would you agree with me that society is better off when men are masculine and women are feminine? It's what Peter's talking about. He goes on to say that you should show them honor. A wife is to be highly esteemed. Uh, Men, you are to revere your wives, honor your wife, prize your wives. They are a high value. And listen, that would fix most marriages right there if we would uh, just do that. Treat your wife— like the prize that she is. That's what you're supposed to do. Why? He, he says this, if you don't do it, why do all this? He said, your own prayers will be hindered. Husbands who ignore God's will for how to treat their wives, it hurts their relationship with Christ. God does not bless with his favor those who are in positions of authority and abuse those who are under them by mistreating them. And I mean that's not the typical way we're taught to love our wives. That's not how the culture tells us to love our wives. You know what the culture tells us? Two things Lord over them or lay under them. And neither is correct. That's the world's way of interpreting the biblical man's role, and it is wrong. You can't let the world determine what God's design is. Somebody put up a a Reddit thread the other day. Have you ever thought about the word walkie-talkie? It's a device that you carry around, and the military, I think, you started off with, and I can't get how a red-blooded American man in the 1950s said, let's name this thing a walkie-talkie. Why? We're going to walk and talk on it. Because it's about the most feminine name. So somebody put up a Reddit thread and said, imagine if that same guy named other stuff we use, like, like uh, uh, look, at, look at this. How about a fork? We called it a stabby grabby. Or, or how about this? A, a heart defibrillator? We called it a hearty starty. A lightsaber, a lighty fighty. What, what if Han Solo or, you know, Darth Vader used a lighty fighty? How about this? A cowbell, a cattle rattle. I, I actually like that one. How about this one? Teeth, a whitey body. A bomb, a whammy kablammy. And then Brian Regan, the, uh, the um, comedian said, what if we called guns a Rudy tootie aim and shooty? See, I-, I don't want the guy who designed the walkie talkie and named it to be the guy designing how husband's to act towards their wise cuz that's the culture's design I mean it does matter that you're strong in character strong in integrity strong in leadership and spirituality for your family be masculine face fears have faith I mean it does matter that you know God's design for you and you know your wife, that's not the easiest thing to do, but you have a lifetime of work to do it. Y'all have heard the joke, right? Y'all have heard the joke about the guy surfing in California and he's walking along the beach and uh, he, he, he sitting there on the beach is kind of a, uh, some kind of lamp and he picks it up and he said, this looks like a genie in the bottle, just laughing. He rubs it and a genie pops out and he says, uh, hey, I'm your standard genie. I'll give you one wish. What do you want? He said, I've spent my whole life surfing, and he said, I've always wanted to surf in Hawaii, but I'm scared of flying on a plane, so I want you to build a bridge to go from Southern California to Hawaii the genie says, you've lost your ever-loving mind. Do you have any idea how difficult that would be? Do you know how deep the Pacific Ocean is? If just the amount of concrete alone would bankrupt the world of concrete, the amount of steel alone would bankrupt the world's supply of steel. If I were to build a road from California to Hawaii, it would devastate the economy of the world. It is nearly impossible for a genie. What else you got? He said, well, I've been married four times. He said, all my wives have said, I don't understand them. He said, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to get married again, and I'd like to understand why my wife is crying. I'd like to understand what it means when she's quiet. I'd like to understand what it means when she said nothing's wrong, even though I won't, nothing's wrong. That's what I'd like. Jeannie got quiet for a moment, and he went, two lanes or four lanes on that road to Hawaii? It may take a lifetime and a genie to understand, but men, that is our calling, that you honor your wife, you treat her like a queen, like a prize. Men, how are you doing at that? Is your wife treated like, a, like the queen of the castle? Is she, is she valued? Is she prized? Is she prized the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? That's why Jesus gave us that command. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's how you're to treat your wife. That's, that's man stuff. And then finally, number three, Peter launches into what I'll call y'all stuff. I'm telling you, that line's brilliant. That line's brilliant. I, mean, I'm just, uh, look, I don't have time for, uh, to go through everyone. I'm just going to throw this up here and, and hit them all in, in, in a hurry. Let me see the, the one more. Yeah, hit them all in a hurry. Can I just run through these real quickly because I'm running out of time? He says this, husbands and wives, hear me. Husbands and wives, hear me. You watching in a condo somewhere? Hear me. H- here's what he says. He said, husband and wife, you're to be like-minded. It's the only time in the word, This only time in the Bible this Greek word is used. Homo phronos in the Greek. It means that you are to have shared values, common goals, and mutual understanding. Like-minded. Only time in the Scripture this Greek word is used. You say, well, how do we get there? As soon as I read that, here's what I, I, the word that came to my mind was this word, communication. There has to be a commitment to communication because you cannot be like-minded, husbands and wives, if you don't take time to talk. Here's what I mean by that husbands and wives set your phone down get out of tiktok get out of instagram get off of facebook and look your husband look your wife in the eye and you talk you cannot get like-minded two people separate on a phone somewhere he said be sympathetic it means have the same feelings it really the word empathetic may be better that, that you understand where your husband's coming from, where your wife, that you're to love one another. Hey, can I tell you this about the word? You know, there's multiple Greek words for love. This is the word where we get our word Philadelphia from here. It means brotherly love or friendship love. That is, uh, you and your husband, you and your wife ought to be best friends. You're to be compassionate, tenderhearted to one another, humble. Pride won't help any relationship. You know what pride is? Pride is never apologizing. Pride is never admitting you're wrong. Pride is yelling at the other spouse. He says, don't pay back evil for evil. Listen, retribution is never should be named in marriage. Not paying back insult for insult, which is where we find so many uh, marriages, vile word for vile word. He said, put that down. It never helps. He said, instead do this, give a blessing. How about being an encourager instead? What great biblical advice. That is a spirit-filled marriage. You add all of that couple stuff together, and there's no way you can go wrong. Those are the unfailing ingredients for a successful marriage. Close your Bibles, and I'm finished. If I were to ask you this morning, if I were to tell you to guess mine, what are my two favorite ingredients in food? You you might not get it. You might get close. Here's my two favorite ingredients in food butter and Doritos. (laughs) Right? And I, I got to thinking, trying to close out this sermon, I got to thinking, well, wonder what you can make with butter and Doritos. And then I thought, hey, there's no need to wonder. I'm going to go to ChatGPT and ask it. So I put this question in ChatGPT. I said, what recipe can you make with butter and Doritos as the main ingredients? And you're thinking, that's not possible. Hey, and I'm going to tell you, the Bible says with God, all things are possible. <laughs> I got five things. Ladies, you should take photos this morning, all right? i don't have pictures i have recipes right number one doritos crusted chicken tenders coat chicken tenders and crushed doritos and pan fry them in melted butter for a crunchy cheesy twist on a classic dish if you don't go home and do that you're not right with god all right number two Doritos grilled cheese sandwich. Would have never thought of it. Spread butter on both outsides of, of the bread and layer Doritos in between the cheese slices for a crispy, cheesy experience. You know right now that is awesome. How about this for a snack? Would never thought of this? Blown away. Doritos popcorn. Melt butter and toss it with crushed Doritos and freshly popped popcorn for a flavor. Can you imagine a bag of popcorn with Doritos, butter-coated Doritos in the bag? How about number four? Cheesy Doritos casserole. Ladies, you want to get fancy? All right, here's your casserole. Combine crushed Doritos, cooked ground beef, and melted butter with cheese, diced tomatoes, and other favorite ingredients, and bake the mixture to create a hearty, crowd-pleasing dish. That's Easter if I've ever seen it right there. Now, I, to, to round out at least a two-course meal, what, what can we do for an appetizer? Number five, Doritos cheese stuffed mushrooms mix crushed doritos with grated cheese and softened butter then stuff the mixture into mushroom caps bake until the mushrooms are tender and the stuffing is golden brown i literally it's not a joke i thought i could open a restaurant <laughs> i could open a restaurant you you and you laugh but you would come You'd eat lunch at my Doritos restaurant every single day. Here's what I determined. If your main ingredients are butter and Doritos, you can't make a bad dish. And when I read 1 Peter chapter 3, if your marriage is built on the recipe of the woman stuff God laid down and the man stuff God laid down and the y'all stuff God laid down, you can't have a bad marriage. And it'll be the marriage that when we're under fire for our Christian beliefs, you'll have that bright spot to go home to. And though the world may hate me, I've got a husband who loves me. And though the culture may hate me, I've got a wife that loves me. And though there's conflict everywhere I go, I go home and the sweet peace of Jesus residing in my home. Would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed?
1: Culture is against our families and Satan would love nothing more than to see our families destroyed. And thankfully, uh, Peter addresses um, our families and our relationships in the book of 1 Peter. And we're challenged with the right way to do our family. And um, man, the truth is this, without the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, um, you you have no hope. Our hope is in Jesus for our families, um, for our future, and, um, and we've got to trust in that. We've got to get that relationship with Jesus right. And maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. There's never been a time when you Number one, understood that you're a sinner and that your sin separates you from God because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He died, that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day. And you've got to put your trust in that. And then you have to confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior. And if God has spoken to your heart this morning and you need to give your heart and life to Christ. In the quietness of this moment, right where you are, simply tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day to pay the price for my sin. Lord, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus name if you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time we want to say welcome to the family and hey uh, just this past week had a guy connect with me um, who prayed to receive Christ during an online worship experience just click on the link we've just dropped in the chat box it'll ask you a couple of questions and send an email to me and I'll connect with you this week hey it's been awesome to worship together I do look forward to our times each and every week. I hope you have a great week. God bless you.
0: We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.